Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Chapter 29, verse 16 to verse 30. Amen. The text that we're about to read is a text that is well known. It is the uh, story, it is the dilemma that Jacob faces when he thinks he has married Rachel and wakes up to Leah. That's a dilemma. In ministry... How often do we want to dismiss things that don't appear attractive? How often in ministry do we want to abandon that which seems impossible to handle, yet are often the very keys to fruitfulness and to blessing? I want to preach about Leah this morning and Leah behind the veil from Genesis chapter 29, beginning with verse 16. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. Then Jacob uh, said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in to her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. And Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came to pass in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served you? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, It must not be done so in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give you this one also for the service, which you will serve with me for still another seven years." Then Jacob did so and fulfilled her week. And so he gave him his daughter Rachel as wife also. 
And Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as a maid. Then Jacob went also into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. I want to look with you first of all at the precious promise that is before us. And all of us here this morning understand the background to how Jacob has got to this place. It began a season before with Esau trading his birthright for a pot of stew. Jacob is drawn by the prospect of a double portion, but I have a sense and a feeling that he was uh, probably unknown or didn't fully understand the dimension of all the implications of his request. Because along with the natural inheritance that he was going to get from this birthright, there was the supernatural promise of the blessing of Abraham. Along with this double portion was going to be the promise of fruitfulness, descendants, influence in the nations. It was going to be Jacob, not Esau, who was going to step into the revelation of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Esau despised his birthright. How often what is despised by many holds within it the power of life and fruitfulness. Jesus on earth was despised and rejected by men. God has chosen the foolish, the weak, literally the despised to confound the world. Do not despise the day of small beginnings and how often it is the pioneer pastor struggling in a hired hall all that our flesh uh, would want to avoid, the inexperienced preacher, the small group, often on the streets alone, preaching the cross of Calvary, the call to sacrifice and righteousness, and then as a group begins to form, contending for commitment, loyalty, standards of holiness and for ministry, the challenge to lay it down, all to follow Christ. We're reaching the rough, the raw, and the rejected. And it seems so hard, yet uh, in that place lies the seed of promise and the promise of destiny. The truth is, we like Jacob, stepped into something probably definitely not understanding all. We simply heard the gospel preached from someone from the potter's house. We took our bowl of stew, that which we were good at, that which came naturally, our sin, and we traded and we stepped into a double portion, not just of the natural, but a glorious inheritance, a fellowship filled with promise and calling. But in the process, 
Something happens to Jacob. Chapter 28, the chapter before our text, Jacob is alone. He's left home for the first time. He's now tired. He's now anxious. The threats of the elder brother, of his elder brother, are still ringing in his ear. And he is now beginning to feel what it really means to have been called into this family line. In the same way, it means something to be a pastor of a potter's house church. It means something to be a disciple. It means something to be a member. This birthright has consequences and now they're beginning to be played out and something that which, that which looked, something that which, no, something that looked so good. There's a witch in there, I don't know why. Something that looked so good now has a personal cost. Something that we once were stirred by, something that we once recognized and grabbed a hold of now has a personal cost. Here is Jacob. He's afraid. He's lonely. He's isolated. He's on his way to who knows where. We are challenged by a personal cost of commitment, of standards of lifestyle. As we grow in the ministry, there's the expectation of church planting, the training of couples, the challenge of fruitfulness. And Jacob begins to waver. He's beginning to feel very much alone. Pastor, we knew it was going to be hard, but we didn't think this hard. God comes to meet Jacob at Bethel because he wants to personalize the promise, because what he is involved in is more than a program, but a potential of life. Genesis 28, and behold, the Lord God stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants and in you and in your seed with with all sorry and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed i'm going to be with you and he goes on and god begins to personalize this promise but i want you to consider jacob's response he makes a vow the bible says in verse 20 and he says if god will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, listen to this, so that I may come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house, and all that, I, the, all that you give me I will surely give a tenth to you. 
I want you to see for just a moment that he's not speaking in response to this glorious inheritance. He makes no mention of this promise of fruitfulness and seed and families and increase. He simply says, I want to go back, if you'll be with me, that I can go back to my father's house in peace. He simply wants to survive. He simply wants to get through it. Oh, this is the picture of so many of us that we have settled for far less than what God is promising. God has promised and, and, and uh, promised to us, but yet all I want to do, we've resigned ourselves, all I want to do is simply pastor my church, get some people saved, and live a normal life. As long as me and my children are saved. As long as I can stay out of trouble. Now I'm here, I'm going to settle down, I've paid my dues, it's nothing more often than token ministry. We've set, you've set a level of commitment, you've set a level of consecration that you're happy with, I'll surely give a tenth, but your aim is simply to survive. Up to this point... The promise of Abraham's multitudes looks a little dodgy. Abraham has borne just one son in promise. Isaac's son Esau has copped out. And now we have Jacob wrestling with his own life. There's not much sign of the sand of the seashore. But I want you to see this morning that out of this man, out of Jacob, out of him was going to be born 12 sons. Out of this man's life, there was going to be leaders of a new nation. You see, it was in this time, it is in this hour, out of his life, God was going to multiply and accelerate his promise of revival, but Jacob couldn't see it. Out of your life, But Jacob couldn't see it. I want to consider facing Leah. Because Jacob falls in love. Before God can do anything, he must engage your heart. He captures it to bring you to a dedication that consumes you. Genesis 29, 20, our text, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love that he had for her. And so God is wanting to grab your heart, and so he brings before us something that would cause our hearts to flutter, something that would cause uh, the adrenaline to rush, something that would cause our faith to surge, something that we would desire. There's an aspect to ministry that elicits a passionate response 
whether that is the catching of a glimpse of a needy city or a needy people. In a revelation you catch the cry of a city, a cry of a people, and something in your heart rises up and you say, I can make a difference. I could speak and help people and see people saved. Perhaps it is the opportunity of being an instrument of deliverance. All your life you've lived for yourself and in a revelation through a sermon or through prayer or a conference video, there's an understanding God could use my life as an instrument of deliverance. My life could make a difference. I could live this one life I have and be used by God, whether it's the summons to obey Him. There is something that entices us. There is something that grabs our hearts, that causes us to enter into discipleship, standards, and a desire of excellence. He was motivated to work for seven years. The issue is not often the beginning of our discipleship or our ministry. It is when we feel that our days are fulfilled. We've done our time, and now we expect a reward, but it is now when we face our Leah. And God, it's almost, it's almost a trap. <laughs> it's like he, he draws us and calls us and our hearts are be, and then God leads us and positions us to a place where will is to triumph over pleasure. You see, the birthing of the nation of Israel, this birthing of promise, this birthing of fruitfulness, was going to be not just about his love for Rachel but it was going to involve Leah and Bilhah and Zilpah. Two children would be birthed to Rachel. Oh, there's a part of ministry that's a joy. There are seasons of victory. There are seasons of power. There are seasons of fruitfulness that we look back and we say, you know what, it wasn't hard being with Rachel. It's like there's a dimension, there's a blessing, there's a fruitfulness. There is God-intended moments where God moves outside of ourselves. It's an absolute joy. There are two children that were born to each of the maids. This speaks to us perhaps of something that man has orchestrated through man's initiative, through man's planning, through his forethought and effort, and it's through his moving and shaking that God is able to move and bring blessing and fruitfulness, and these are all valid but I want you to see this morning that the majority of the fruit was born through Leah. 
It was the embracing of Leah that brought a dimension that Rachel couldn't. In fact, without Leah, there would be no tribe of Levi. There would be no priesthood. There would be no tribe of Judah. We would be without David and Solomon and even Christ himself because the truth is this morning, you cannot sidestep Leah without having critical things missing in our lives. Oh, we're not sure how she looks. Oh, we're not... Uh, uh, we're not uh, but uh, uh, the, if we, we want a sidestepper, but we cannot sidestepper without critical things missing in our lives. Our text tells us in verse 17 that Leah's eyes were delicate. Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Leah was weak-eyed. We would look at her and uh, she seems disconnected from vision. And so for us, in attempting to fulfill the vision, we dismiss her. We don't see her as being connected. We don't see her as being really important. And often, she is unwanted. You see, often, in the er and I won't use that word again, in the early stages of our ministry, I will, often, in the early stages of our ministry, that which we wake up to first doesn't look glamorous. But it will prove to be the most needed and the most fruitful. You see, we resent the hours of study that it takes us to put a sermon together when we know that brother so-and-so down the road can grab an idea, sit, on a, uh, uh, sit down for 15 minutes and write up a masterpiece. And we resent that it takes us hours of reading and studying. We struggle with the sense of obscurity while others that have been out perhaps the same time as us who are preaching all over the world and something on the inside feels like we're missing out on the action. Uh, uh, what we're doing is just unattractive. Yet I declare to you this morning, it is the time invested in our own church that brings fruit that sets a platform for lasting ministry. The danger is we ignore the less glamorous aspects of our ministry like prayer, like reading the Bible, like one-on-one -on -one witnessing the hidden service. When others are out playing, we're involving ourselves in ministry. But uh, this, this morning it is interesting and also telling that it was not Rachel but Leah that was buried with Jacob along with Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, it was going to be Jacob and Leah. You see, as Jacob 
face the prospect of dying and standing before God, he came to a revelation in order for me to have fulfilled my destiny, I needed Leah. And now God, uh, and now uh, Jacob gives her a place of honor. So let's consider Leah this morning. Because Leah and the fulfillment of promise are linked. We are drawn by Rachel, but we have to face Leah. Leah is the unexpected. It is the assault that you never saw coming. It is the unexpected turbulence. Earlier on last year in February, there was a a virgin flight uh, out of the States or going to the States from England. And out of the blue, there was incredible turbulence. It was incredibly bad. Uh, uh, People are uh, are panicking. Uh, People are throwing up. Uh, People are are getting all upset. But what drew this into the news was that one of the stewardesses uh, begins to scream out, everybody's going to die. We're going to crash. We're going to crash. The pilot is battling to hold on to the plane. He's desperately trying, uh, amen, to steer the ship uh, into safe, uh, safe channels. It's kind of like the pastor, uh, you know, and, and his wife's in the back. Oh, we're all going to die. much. It's the unexpected. It's Pastor Kelvin and Eleanor Roy Palmer when they first went to Ghana and what threw them was not the things that they expected, but it was the various needs and the poverty and the trouble. They weren't sure how to handle it and for a while it totally spun them out. It's the key disciple turning sour and turning bad. It's the misunderstanding with headship. It's the conflict with the brethren that you never ever expected. Not from that quarter. Not from that one. It's the wayward son or daughter. It's the unexpected criticism. And as Jacob responds, he says, What is this that you have done to me? He's blindsided, he's confused, and he's troubled. And it is this, it is the ability to work through and to resolve uh, is what will determine our effectiveness. You see, Leah is the hardest thing that we ever had to do. Jacob has never faced anything like this before. Literally. The honeymoon period of ministry for Jacob lasted one night. 
issue now is not his preference, but his commitment. You see, Leah is the cross. It's the decision. It's the hardest thing. It is the triumph of will over passing emotion. It is Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. Pastor Mark Olson was telling me when he was launched into the Philippines, 31 years old, had never been to that city and was giving Pastor Mitchell a five-year commitment. The whole venture was ludicrous. He has no idea what he's getting himself into. Yet the foundation for future successes in all the battles of life was this commitment. You see, there is a dynamic that is released when we resolve in our souls, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. We can feel all sorts of emotions, but still step up to the plate. Leah is when we embrace the place of responsibility. You see, after he got Rachel, he works seven more years. And I guarantee they didn't seem like a few days. Seven more. It is the place of stretching. It is the place of addition. Why do some men not seem to grow? Why do some men not seem to develop over the passing of time? Because somewhere they've not embraced addition. They've not embraced adding things to their faith. For this very reason, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 to 8 says, For also for this very reason, giving all diligence. This is going to take every bit of resolve in your soul. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to say to you this morning, when it feels like seven years in one day, when it feels like, uh, uh, amen, time is going on and on and on, and it takes everything inside of you to love again, it takes everything inside of you to be kind again. It takes everything inside of you to persevere, to hold on to virtue. There is a dynamic that is being released in your life. You want to quit, but you hold on. You've had enough of people, but you choose again to love. You've had enough of the struggles, but you choose again to believe. Jacob had his wives. He had been given Rachel. Why doesn't he do a runner? That's what we call it, a runner. Why doesn't he just take off and wait another seven years? I'm not staying here, Uncle Laban. I'm out of here. 
You see, he makes a choice to stay in the place of stretching. One man said these words, We are as lazy as we dare to be. We need a place where we sink or swim. Pastor David Kennedy, who is well known, obviously, in the UK, many parts, many parts of the world, a, a, a fantastic man. Pastored in London, came on in Walthamstow as assistant for many years, in and out of that role, a tremendous servant, a, a tremendous blessing. A, but, uh, a, and as the passing of time goes on, he could easily have settled. He could easily, he had his kudos. He had his, uh, he had his reputation. He had his uh, uh, position, if you like. But he heard the voice of God. And today he's in Bloemfontein, uh, South Africa. And as I speak to him on the phone, it's like I can hear the man's heart beating. There's something inside of him that has come renewed alive. There's a sense of passion. He's in a place of pressure. He's in a place of stretching. Yet in him there's a life. You see, there's an error that we can reach the plateau of life and assume that growth will just happen. That somehow in the passing of time, the osmosis at a conference, somehow discovering a hidden gift the impact team, the revival. Someone else is going to bring a breakthrough. The reality is we have romantic ideas about Rachel, but Leah shows us it is for those who have a single-mindedness, are determined to challenge the status quo of their lives, to choose a place of risk, to step out of the boat, the willingness to be stretched. For some here, that would mean to pioneer again. For others, it's a financial commitment to world evangelism that is more than just a token, but but something that puts pressure on you. It is some here that need to go full-time into the ministry. It is a decision of the will. I am not afraid of responsibility. I'm not afraid of stretching. I'm not afraid of pressure. Bring it on. I'm not afraid to grow. I'm not talking about just adding another burden, but there is a supernatural reward. There is a dimension that is added by stepping out of the boat. He will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing that Leah would speak as we close this morning is the culture of the family. Uncle Laban says, the reason why you have Leah is this must be done in our country, that the elder must marry first. What he's saying is, is this this is what it means to be in this family. This is our standard. It is not a mystery why some do not inherit, 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 inherit. It is not a mystery 
why some do not inherit. Because there is a danger that we are consumed, you are consumed with your own ministry, with your own life, with your own future, without feeling responsibility to honor, to live with a sense of duty to the family. You attempt to build a ministry, but you're just not going to do it as everybody else does it. You're going to do it your way. Well, if you want what is promised to this family, you've got to embrace its culture. To be who we are, you've got to do what we do. And so I close a little early, but I close with a challenge. Why is God silent? Why when Jacob faces Leah, doesn't, why doesn't God say, Jacob, you don't understand, son, You don't understand that this thing that you're facing, this hardest thing that you've ever faced, this unexpected assault, this uh, uh, this culture of the family, uh, this very thing, behind this is fruitfulness. Nothing is said. And it's like for us today. Heaven pauses to ask the question, what are you going to do? You have stepped into a family inheritance. You have stepped into a place, a promise of great impact and fruitfulness. You have stepped into a, uh, this generation This time, now, through your life like Jacob, is the calling and the promise going to be released, accelerated. Twelve tribes are going to be born. You are destined to increase. But the question is, what are you going to do with Leah? God bless you this morning. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.